0: an acquaintance who is a self-taught chef and a respectable one at that. He specializes in what we refer to as farm-to-table cooking, working closely with local farmers to source produce and fish from his immediate area. He delights to craft new menus on a daily basis and share in the stories of the food's origin with his diners. All the while, he learns of the origins of his diners, who they are, the values they hold, and the major life events they celebrate around his table. His restaurant has become a home, not, has become a place not just for dining, but a place of communal gathering, sharing, and meaning-making. His acquaintance is also very clear that he doesn't believe in or want anything to do with institutional religion. His reasons are not new or unique and are in many cases well-founded the shallowness of those who proclaim to value mercy and love, but conveniently exclude those who hold different values, the hypocrisy and corruption of those in church leadership, and the inaccessibility he encountered in the liturgy as a child. For him, each of these things serve as a barrier, not just to Christian community, but to Christ himself. I'm grateful that he feels comfortable sharing these experiences, and I do not pretend to have answers or the authority to make amends in any of these cases. But I'm also grateful that he trusts me enough to share the beliefs that he has chosen as valuable. In his stories, I experience mercy that is far wider and more expansive than that which the church often proclaims. In his meal, I am reminded of the Lord's table. In my time with him, I am constantly gifted by a view of God's kingdom that is exceedingly delicious and colorful and expansive. Without fail, when I spend time with this acquaintance, I am nourished in the same way that I am after I have gone to church. He gives me a glimpse of God's kingdom that fills my cup. This morning, I would like for us to consider this question. Do we expect People outside of the church, outside of the institution, to be a means through which we encounter God? Put another way, have we knowingly or unknowingly confined God? Or do we have an understanding of God that is more expansive than a particular denomination, form of worship, or doctrine? Is our experience of Christian community one that enhances the God whom we encounter in Holy Scripture? or makes God a reflection of our own needs. This morning, buried in this seemingly insignificant passage from the book of Acts, is an important reminder about our life as Christians. The heart of Christianity is not the institution, but the people of God. Over and over again, Jesus demonstrated that the heart of the matter was not religion or an attachment to a tradition, but the people whom God created and loves unconditionally. The reason for this was quite simple. The religions Jesus encountered minimized God. God has far more love and mercy and grace to offer than we can rightly conceive. So Jesus did everything he could to demonstrate what the reign of God's kingdom looked like. Jesus found the place that some considered the margin and pressed beyond that boundary. Women, Gentiles, tax collectors, notorious sinners, people who had been assumed dead. They were all not just included, but essential to God's kingdom on earth. Every time his followers thought he would go no further, Jesus pressed across a new boundary. Now, those of us who are comforted by and attached to the Jesus movement in the form of the Episcopal Church can lose sight of this uncomfortable part of the gospel. Trust me, I am among the line leaders in this particular parade. But Jesus and then Paul after him are clear. The heart of Christianity is not found in the places that most obviously boast institutional success. The heart of our tradition is God's people who are to be found anywhere and everywhere. The church is the place where we should expect to encounter the good news of the hope of Jesus and it is the place where we ought to receive our fuel for the journey that is discipleship this morning's seemingly obscure passage from the book of acts is a road map paul was in the midst of building the early church making his learning suited well suited for anyone who was working to build god's kingdom paul's guide was his faithful attentiveness to the holy spirit his experiences contain some really simple and important clues as to how we might go about meeting people where they are. The first thing to notice is that Paul and his companions stayed in the district for some time. The people of this community were not a passing thought, but worthy of prolonged attention. Relationships take time. Further, the traditions of the community matter. Paul was attuned to the rhythms of their religion and the places where they might gather for prayer. While prayers took place in the temple, they also took place by the river in the marketplace in their homes. Paul knew enough to approach these traditions reverently and with curiosity. The next component to this roadmap from Paul is attention to their habits for gathering. Women were not allowed in the temples, so they gathered in alternate locations to be in community and to share their faith. The subtext to this particular gathering were the chores the women accomplished while gathered by the river. Water was essential for cooking, washing, and other tasks of daily life. Suffice it to say, women often gathered by the primary source of water, and not just for practical reasons, but for social support and spiritual grounding. Paul honors the sacred space and their sacred habits of being with one another. When we take time to meet people where they are, honoring the place, traditions, and personhood that we encounter, the possibilities are endless. Paul spending time with the women gathered by the river for prayer doesn't seem like a big deal, but it was essential. Now, in case you're thinking this is a story about Paul converting those who were most in need of saving, look again. It is true that Lydia and her household were baptized as followers of Jesus. And I wonder if this is actually another version of Paul's conversion experience. To be clear, it was not Paul who welcomed Lydia, but Lydia who made space for Paul a man among a group of women sharing sacred space and a willingness to trust that he would honor who they are, who they were. Lydia was a big deal. She was a dealer in purple cloth, one of the most expensive textiles one could find. She was a woman of means who had respect and authority in her community. If she had said no, the answer would have been no. Paul wouldn't have gotten in. But Lydia opened the gates for Paul to have access with an openness to the Holy Spirit and a humility that allowed him to cross boundaries, as Jesus did, Paul's experience of the expanse of God's kingdom grew that day. When we make ourselves available to meet people where they are, we will be astounded by the partnerships that come about. This passage so clearly reminds us that God is not confined to an institution, a building, or a single conversion narrative. God longs to be with us. We were created for the continual delight of rediscovering God in the face of God's people. This morning, the sacrament of baptism serves as a reminder that we are sent forth from this place to discover what God is already up to and to enter into partnership with God. I fear that sometimes the sacrament of baptism can be interpreted as a need to strive for perfect attendance for the newly baptized. Now, I confess, I hope you all will continue to come to church regularly because the value in our communal life and worship is deeply transformative. And I want you to hear me say that that is not the why behind this important rite of passage. The purpose of baptism is an initiation into this community, which serves as our primary source of grounding and support as we go out to do the work of the baptized. We are the women gathered around the water, which is our life source. The purpose of beginning here is that we might find companions for the journey into the world as we seek to meet God's people where God's people have taken up residence. As Paul demonstrates, the call God has placed on our life is not to build up an institution or a narrow understanding of the God who created the heavens and the earth. Rather, our roadmap is to spend time, to pay attention, and enter into relationship with God's people who populate every imaginable corner of God's creation. Angie? as you are sealed and marked as Christ's own forever. We are grateful to be companions on this journey with you. And sweet baby James, your parents, grandparents, and godparents will be your guides today, and we eagerly await our turn as your companions on this rich and hopeful journey to the heart of God's people. Amen.